Welcome to the Homeschool Mama Self-Care Podcast. If you are a homeschool mama challenged by doubt, not sure if you can do this homeschool thing, if you are a homeschool mama challenged by overwhelm, there are just too many things to do, or if you are a homeschool mama looking for connection and encouragement, then this is the podcast for you. I'm Teresa Wiedrich from CapturingTheCharmedLife.com, and I'm here to encourage you in your homeschool journey. So let's turn our homeschool challenges into our homeschool charms. Today, I get to introduce you to Katie, the health, wellness, and chocolate podcast host, who is a certified health education specialist, as well as a certified health and wellness coach. She holds a master's degree in community health education and started health, wellness, and chocolate after she finally figured out how to lose weight, keep it off after yo-yo dieting for over 30 years. At Health, Wellness, and Chocolate, she teaches women how to make peace with food, lose weight for the last time through her weekly podcast, the Health, Wellness, and Chocolate Podcast, and through a variety of online courses. She is also a wife to husband Chris of 20 years and a homeschool mom to eight children. Welcome, Katie. It's such a pleasure to meet you. For my audience, would you introduce yourself and let us know a little bit about your homeschool journey? Sure. So I'm Katie Corbett. I am a homeschool mom of eight children. I actually have graduated my oldest. She's 19. Um, we And my youngest is two. So we're kind of like, we have everybody all over the place. My... Um, my next daughter is ready to graduate this year. We usually do high school in three years. So she has just gotten accepted and she's going to be leaving in September, <laughs> which is always so crazy. Um, but so that's my second one will have graduated and we've been homeschooling. This is our 11th year. Wow. So we, yeah, yeah. So you know what? Been- I have a, I have a 20 year old as well. And I have mm-hmm. my second daughter graduating, leaving in September as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I feel, yeah, this is a really... Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting challenge, but you mm-hmm. have a two-year-old, so mm-hmm. you have an experience unlike what I do. My youngest is twelve, so okay. you get to, you get to experience all the stages at the same time, right? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. right now, I'm teaching him to try to. He's starting to be interested in going on the potty, so we're like we have that. And then I have some that you know are, are looking up scholarships and looking up, um, you know, like they've learned how to drive, and so now yeah. they're you know, we have that concern. And then I have another five-year-old or he just turned six. So he's learning how to read. I mean, we really kind of have all these different are things in it going all. on. Yeah. Okay, so I'm dying to know, like I, we can jump to this right now, but I would love to hear how you got into homeschooling. But when I hear that you are doing all those things, how are you engaging health and wellness at the same time? I would think that you're just like hiding in your room with a bag of Miss Vicky's and dark chocolate and just surviving. This is a lot. See, I, I was, and I found myself 70 pounds overweight and I was like, okay, something's got to change. Like I got to figure this out because this is not working. And so actually that's good. Well, I, I had had a, a problem with my weight, like all growing up, like for 30 years. Right. So, yeah. um, I went into the health field thinking if I knew more then I could help myself more or less. So I even, you know, went to graduate school. I had my master's in health education, yeah. but I still struggled with my weight. And then every child I had, it just, it, it would come off maybe a little, but just in enough time for me to get pregnant again. Right. So right. by the time I had my seventh baby, I, I was 70 pounds overweight. I really was, um, you know, I just knew that I wasn't being my best. I didn't feel good in my own skin. I was very frustrated with myself. Um, And I I kind of think it, it took me a while. It actually, my, a friend of mine um, ran an, well, she competed in an Ironman competition. And Uh I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yeah. I have a friend that did it too. yeah, Yeah. And if you, if you're, if your listeners don't know, so it, they have to swim I, over two miles or just two miles. Then they get on a bike and they bike 113 miles, I think. And then they run a full marathon all within a, a day. Like they have to do, it's amazing. It's so yeah. amazing. But, um, you know, my friend completed it and I was in total awe. And the very next emotion I had was jealousy, which is oh. like me and 
I really hated that feeling. And I was, I was like, well, must be nice to have all that extra time to be able to go spend on yourself. And (laughs) at the time I didn't even own my own hairbrush. I would just grab my daughters and I would really just throw my hair up in a, in a ponytail and be on my way. And, you know, all these things kind of kept coming to the surface, this feeling of jealousy over her success. And, and that wasn't like me. And then realizing, you know, I'm overweight. I, I, I don't even have hobbies for myself. I, I don't even have a hairbrush. Like something's got to shift because this is not sustainable. My life is no longer manageable and I'm not who I want to be. I'm not who I want to show up as, you know? So yeah. it took a lot of time to, to learn some, some self-care. It really, the, the bottom line, even with my weight loss was self-care was really the foundation of it. And so there's so many components of it. Once I kind of figured out the puzzle of it, the weight came off without needing to diet or, you know, drink shakes or take pills or any of that stuff. Like, it was just like, let me figure out why the weight is a problem and work on that. And then, and then I started losing weight, but self-care was a huge component of that. And so now I'm such an advocate, especially to other moms. Um, It's so important and it's not selfish. And I think when I speak at conferences and, and when I talk to other moms that are homeschool moms, the one thing they always say is like, well, I feel so bad about doing it, or it's very selfish, or I just can't get away. And you don't have to spend a lot of money and you don't have to like get away. It's, it's for me, it's self, self-care is really like creating a life that doesn't require you to run away from it. It's really about making your life sustainable and, fe- yeah. and figuring out how to do that by being proactive, by, you know, creating systems in your life so that you're not just drained at the end of the day and needing that chocolate or needing that, that glass of wine. Some, some, a lot of women have problems with that too. And so it's like creating this life that you love, that you have agency over, um, that you don't have to run away from or, or hide in the bathroom with a bubble bath every night, or, you know, wait for your husband to come home. Cause you just can't take another minute and you have to run to target, you know, like there's you are other things. My language, everything that yeah. you're saying, I'm like, you're spot on. I've spent <laughs> I've learned this myself. The last six weeks, I have not even been walking. I went on Mm. my first walk this morning because I've been in a cast boot after I fell. I'd like to say I went heli skiing and I did something dramatic, but really I just missed three stairs in the middle of the night going downstairs. And so I've been in a cast boot and I don't feel like my best self right now. Um, But I remember after my fourth baby, which is my last baby, that I felt similar to how you described I, I don't remember how much weight I was over, but I know I was feeling so winded going up one flight of stairs and thinking, this is unnecessary. I do not have to feel like this. That was the motivation for me to start taking my health seriously and recognizing through Dr. Daniel Amen's stuff, his change your brain, change your mind. Oh, I yes. mm-hmm. he, he was really convincing me that, listen, you're, you're talking about your brain. You're not talking about body image and having to look a certain way. Right. And the reason that was so challenging for me is because I did get fed what everybody in our culture does, but I certainly did in my own um, family of origin, that if you look a certain way, you are acceptable or you are mm-hmm. enough. And mm-hmm. so I had some very unhealthy messaging when I was a kid. And I won't go into the detail of that, but I know we all have lots of that surrounding mm-hmm. us. And so I've resisted all of the health and wellness aspects for so many of my years because I was told that. And I knew that my worth wasn't built on my waist size or whether I right. could walk down a runway. And and yet um, that didn't help me either because mm-hmm. health and wellness isn't about whether you should walk down a runway. Not a lot of homeschool moms walking down runways these days. No. Yeah. <laughs> so I identify with your story. But how do you say, take me, for example, right now, I'm in a fairly healthy place. I feel out of shape for sure, because of the last six weeks, not exercising, not any substantial exercise. And um, how do you start with a homeschool mom that really thinks she doesn't have time? And, Mm -hmm. and so how do you incorporate an exercise routine or healthy eating or a plan to get her into a healthy place? Is it all about mindset to start? Oh, definitely. Well, yes. And so what I say, as far as like finding time to exercise, I always say, find something you enjoy so that it's not a chore to do. So my favorite thing. So I, I set time in the morning to do weight training. Cause I like it for me. I yeah. like how I feel after. And I like feeling stronger, but I'll do that. I'll get up um, early 
I usually, well, not really early, but like I get up around six and I'm not nursing a baby now. So I'm in maybe a little bit of a different season than someone who has a, a newborn or an infant that nurses at night. If you're in that season, sleep, <laughs> you need yeah. that, right? But I'm okay with, um, if I got up at six and I have time for myself, I have time for a cup of tea and some devotions. And I usually do like a half an hour of devotions and then a half an hour of some type of learning that, yeah. cause I yeah. am a learner. And then, um, I'd, like usually around seven, I'll, I'll make time to work out. And I always try to do that when I haven't eaten breakfast yet. Um, just because research shows if you do it in a fasted state, it's, it, you, you'll burn more calories throughout the day. So I do that, but I only do it for like 30 minutes. I do not take a long time and I do it in my living room. Um, the kids are, are hanging out around me doing whatever, or they're just slow to wake up. And so it's not like a crazy time where they're very needy. And um, for me, that's a great little pocket. But the other um, really awesome thing I had discovered about myself through this process was I am a lifetime learner and I really feel filled up when I have something to listen to, when I have a research to listen to and learn about or a topic, it doesn't have to be homeschool related or wellness related, just learning something. Yeah. Um, and so what I, what I learned from myself was if I choose four o'clock, I don't know about your household, but at four o'clock in my household, it gets crazy. It's like someone comes in and turns the volume up on all the kids in the chaos. And I have five little boys and they, um, it just gets loud. And so I learned instead of at four o'clock reaching for the bag of chocolate chips and being elbow deep in it, waiting for my husband to come home and just, you know, <laughs> shoving them in, trying to cope. I was like, okay, if I put a podcast on and head outside and just walk around my yard, yeah. Not even leave the yard, but yeah. let the kids play. I listen to something um, that I think I would like, and I'll just walk. And yeah. they could play. They could ride their bikes. I don't have to worry about traffic or, you know, they could play with sidewalk chalk or they could play with bubbles. And I'll just walk my driveway back and forth. And I like it. It just fills me up. It, like, some people may get bored. My husband makes fun of me because he's like, you just walk around in a circle. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I love it because I can just pay attention to that. I don't have to worry about the kids. I know they're safe. They're in the yard. They're in the sandbox or they're on their bikes. And yeah. I don't have to constantly keep my eye on them as I would if we were at a playground and I can just walk and I get the vitamin D from the sun. I get the fresh air. I get to stretch my legs and I'm not, you know, walking to fulfill a certain amount of steps. I'm simply doing it for the pleasure of getting outside. You kind of, I always say like, I'm just blowing the dust off, you know, <laughs> but also it helps them too. It's building in a, a habit of, you know, yeah. we go outside for an hour before dinner and we, we exercise. And then sometimes in the summer, even last night, right after dinner, we were back outside walking around and just, that's just what we do. And they play and they get all that energy out. And then bedtime is easier for them as well. And everybody sleeps better. Right. Which actually, yeah. funny enough, I think sleep is probably the absolute foundation for self-care. It, it is. is so not fun to talk about. It's not the thing that's really no. fun to chat about, but it is the thing that when you wake up in the morning and your kids are on before you are, then mm. you actually have the wherewithal to engage that. But um, exercise is the thing that actually makes you sleep deeper or sleeps. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but it gives you a, yeah. a better sleep. Definitely. Yeah, I'm with you about the going outside. I don't have kids that are that age anymore. So mm. sometimes I want to hear other moms talk about that because my thoughts are now get up before your kids are up. And I know that does not always work because sometimes those kids are sleeping in the bed with you. And uh -huh. if you try to get out of that bed, then they are on you like white on rice. Yeah, or, yeah. Um, you know, I, I know what it's like. I, I do remember what it's like to have little kids and just what you said is spot on too. You're in that season, try to sleep. It yeah. will, it will shift. And then they will be getting ready for high school and then they'll be getting ready for college and <laughs> that will happen. I know. I always joke with my husband. I'm like, how come they finally get cool? And then they leave us. Yeah, <laughs> you know? They so finally true. don't need us to manage their every move. And then they're finally like, you could have adult conversations with them and, and uh -huh. throw ideas around and then they leave. <laughs> well, you <laughs> so might have the right idea. You just keep having them. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Yes. So true. That's awesome. So how did you come to homeschooling in the first place? You know, my, actually, my husband had a terrible experience. Um, he went to private school and he yeah. honestly, he really should have gone to like a technical school. He is a brilliant mechanic, but oh. as far as like a college prep private 
high school went, he did not yeah. fit in at all. Right. And so he hated it. And I, I had an okay time in, in school. I went to public school. It was okay. Um, but I was bored and I was like, you know, my friends were all in honors classes, but I saw how yeah. much work yeah. that they had to do. And I was like, I am not doing oh. that. So. Yeah, me too. I married oh, no. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was like, oh, I am so yeah. not. And, and they would say, yeah. like, why are you in these classes? And I'm like, are you kidding? I don't want that much homework because I would do my homework <laughs> so fast. They would assign like just one page or whatever. And I would just do it, you know, right as the bell rang. So then I wouldn't have any homework at all. I'm like, I am never doing what you have to do. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, we started out um, with our kids in private Christian school and we were yeah. happy there. But then as we were having um, more and more children, we, we wanted a big family. My, my husband is an only child and both his mom and dad are also only children. So it's just him. There are no aunts yeah. or uncles or cousins or brothers or sisters or nieces. Like this, it's literally just him and both his mom and dad passed away. Um, right, right. His mom died the day after we came back from our honeymoon mm -hmm. and then his dad died only a short while after that. So wow. it was literally just him. And I was like, this is so pathetic. <laughs> I'm like, we need a big family and he was wow. okay with it. And so we're like, all right, let's see what happens. So Anyway, they were in private school, but um, it was the cost was really starting to you'd become a concern because like, OK, if we really do want a big family, um, we have to think of another way, to, another avenue to go that would support our vision for our family. And um, so we it took like a year to really research homeschooling. I really wasn't completely in love with the idea. I, I really felt like I was very scared of it and. And I liked the school they were at. I liked the community. I, I really wasn't um, dis dis dissatisfied with it or uh, unsatisfied with it. I just felt like, okay, really for financial reasons, let's, let's explore homeschooling. And then we wound up, I'm like, okay, I'll try it. And so we tried it and I liked it. And then we, you know, and every year I'm like, okay, let's try it. <laughs> now I'm, I finally feel like I have my groove after 11 years but it, yeah and I think once I graduated my first I kind of feel like okay this is totally doable we can do this and we do co-ops and I have um you know if one of them struggles in math I have a math tutor I don't feel like I have to do everything right. um we definitely have now a very good support system too in place and our community is full of homeschoolers. Our church is full of homeschoolers. So we have now a good system. Um, but that first year was rough learning, mm -hmm. you know, all the new things and meeting new people and kind of mourning the fact like, the, the, you know, we're not going to see the same people every day or um, they're not going away every day. You know, like they're, they're staying here and it's my responsibility. I can't just yeah blow it off. We can't go to the mall. <laughs> we have to stay home and do school, you know? So it was definitely an adjustment in a way. Yeah. That homeschool honeymoon, the first year or so, I think it took me almost three years. And then when I let, when I, when I became aware that I really want to find the yellow school bus to put them on it, then I had to shift gears and think about, okay, why is this not working? What is it that right. I don't want? And for me, it was really at a baseline, it was boundaries and realizing mm. very much like your story that I was not taking care of myself in all sorts of different realms. Frankly, I don't think I even knew who I was or, yeah. you know, have, what are my interests? I knew mm. where my hairbrush was. I knew where my toothbrush was, but washing my face, doing like lotions. I, I no, none of that. I wasn't into any of that. And that started my, my journey into self-care, but I want to hear about your vision. So you I was also, by the way, I researched for two years. You did one year. Mm -hmm. I did two years. I definitely didn't think about homeschooling before either. Um, I picked up a book and within a week decided I would do it, but it took me two years of research to actually go do it. Right. And, um, and my vision is not the same as it is now, but what was your vision when you first went into homeschooling? I, you know, I don't know if I even remember because it was like 11 years ago, but it really was, um, I had, I had worked full time while they were in school. So that was another shift for me as well. Like I, I had sold the business that I had, I came home and then, and then shortly thereafter I brought them home. Um, so I think my vision was really the kind of, for me to pour into them as much as I possibly could. Um, like, like, and I didn't know the words then I know them now, like the truth, beauty, and goodness. I pour that into them and let them soak that up and, and show them a rich life that is so varied. But you, then I, I didn't know that then. 
um, I really just wanted to, um, you know, get, get, give them exposure to things that maybe we wouldn't have been able to do if they were in school all the time. So the very first year, we actually took a trip cross country um, and we were gone for a few weeks and, and we went out um, as far west as the Grand Canyon. But it was almost like my way of saying, okay, we are going to learn things and make this different so that it doesn't make me feel sad that they're missing out on what's going on at their school. You know, like, let's make this awesome. So that's actually how we kicked off our whole homeschool experience was like heading West and just, um, we live in Pennsylvania. So we went all the way out to the Grand Canyon, which was in Arizona, but we, you know, we made lots of stops along the way. We went and saw where Laura Ingalls in Desmet, um, South Dakota, we saw where she was. And then we went, um, Further on in South Dakota, we saw where like the 49ers had let their mules go and they still are in the park there. And so we just did a lot of things to, to learn um, through experiential learning that first year. And I felt like that was almost like my, it reinforced my belief, like, okay, we can learn outside the classroom. And I think that's mm-hmm. what we wanted to grasp was like, give them experiences that they really would probably miss if they were in a classroom for that long. And then now my confidence seeing the fruit of that has grown. And now it's like, okay, well, let's talk about their character. Let's make them, uh, you know, leaders, thought leaders, but also, you know, people who are, have ideas and, and they, they can create things and they have talents and skills and, and hobbies that they wouldn't have time for if they were in a classroom all day long. So I think that's really more where we come from now too. Yeah. This lifestyle really does facilitate. I mean, this last year has definitely created challenges in that. Um, But nonetheless, just like you, I've been there, done this long enough. We had seven years of homeschooling while also traveling part-time. So we also created all sorts of opportunities for our Mm -hmm. kids too. And um, now I'm bought in, not just because of the experiences, but because of the full picture, realizing that learning definitely happens outside of the classic approaches to an education. And they sometimes have value. And certainly the education system has value for a lot of kids whose families would never homeschool. Absolutely. But But at the same time, now we know learning happens in very many different ways. So I've got so many thoughts. I, you shared so many things I want to ask you about, but I have to ask you, you said truth, beauty, and goodness. Those are three, would you say, pillars of what you want to instill mm-hmm. in your children? Absolutely. Tell me more about that. Yeah. So as far as truth goes, I want them to be able to know, you know, how to critically think. And we spent, we meet every morning at 9am, like all the kids, you yeah. know, we all get together, we sit on the couch and, and we'll, we'll memorize scripture. Like we're, we're Christians. Yeah. Um, so we memorize scripture and then um, I will read to them a little devotion and then we'll look at an artist or we'll um, I'll read to them a poem. And then one of the things that really hit me hard this year, especially with uh, things that were going on politically and, and really like, Mostly, I wanted them to be able to critically think for themselves and to evaluate what is actually true and what is maybe either propaganda or like considering what they read or consider Mm -hmm. the information that they're getting and learn how to discern it. That was very important to me. So like this whole year, we have been taking critical thinking um, lessons and and how to dissect thoughts and ideas and how to really see, hold, hold them up to like, okay, what is true about this? And um, that was so important to me. So like they can take that skill and have it for the rest of their lives without, you know, maybe falling for something that isn't true. I want them to be able to understand, okay, what is truth and how do you find it? And, and how do you evaluate ideas and information? Yeah. Um, So that was something that was very important to me. Um, But this year, especially, it just really hit home. Like it solidified the idea in my head, like, okay, we really got to nail this concept um, for everybody, even my little guy, like, you know, trying to teach him on his level. Um, Then the beauty. So we um, study my, some of my children are, are very artistic Um, which shocks me. Like I I really am not. (laughs) And then some of my children are very musical. Um, And again, I don't even know how to read music. So I I love the fact like you can pour into these kids and then what blooms is amazing. And it's beyond the wildest, anything I can comprehend that I'm like, I can't believe this came out of us. You know, like, this is so neat. (laughs) You know, just putting these opportunities in their, in their paths and then they're picking up on it and learning and taking ideas and, and, their talents so much further 
And so um, finding beauty for them. So we will go over a composer or we'll go over um, an artist and we'll look at how they created their things. And then what is the theories behind what they made and, you know, what was happening in their day and age. And so why would it be important for them and to, to create this painting? What are they trying to say? And, and learning how to do that so they could take that skill and apply that into areas of their life. And what are the messages that you're trying to learn? And then um, goodness is just like, you know, what is good? Like, you know, how can you be excellent? How can you be a good neighbor? How can you be a good friend? And learning, I say so often to them, I'm like, if you can't get along with your own brothers and sisters in a house where we're all the same race, we're all the same nationality, we're all the same, basically, we have the same socioeconomic standing. You know, if you can't get along with people that are exactly like you in a lot of ways, then you really are not going to be able to go out into the world at large. Like it, it happens right here, you know, when you're refining their character, and you're trying to teach them, you know, you have to, you know, if you want to be a good brother, or if you want to have a good brother, you have to be a good brother and training that character so that they become good people and they know what good is so that they can discern as again, like, okay, this, there's some, maybe there's some um, things here at this person that maybe they're not, they're not safe to hang out with or, you know, when they're able to discern that we, we actually read a book called The Noticer. And in one of the chapters, he talks about um, look at the leaves of the people that you spend time with. And he says, you know, people are a lot like trees where they have these leaves or they have certain fruits and you can always tell what kind of tree they are by the leaves that they drop. Uh-huh. And so look at the leaves that these people, that the person you're looking at, look at the leaves that they drop. Like, what are they letting you know without actually saying it? You know, pay attention to that. Oh, and and cool. I thought that was like a really great way for them to be able to discern like with friendships too, or even future relationships. Like what are the leaves these people are dropping? Is this someone I want to spend time with? Are they going to help me become who I need to be in my life? Or are they going to hinder me or, you know, mm-hmm. bring me to a place where I don't want to? So you know, all those things. I just feel like you'll never have enough time to, to pour into your kids, everything you want yeah. to. Yeah. <laughs> and but I see your that. vision words. Yeah. They yeah. sound like they're homeschool vision words, maybe mm-hmm. intentionally or not, but I've, I often encourage people to know your why, like know mm-hmm. why you're really doing this. Because just like you said, if you want to do this over the long term, you better know why you're doing this. And it better be a reason that could sustain you because it's a lot. <laughs> Some days are fabulous and they're exactly how you initially imagined. And there's plenty that are not. So what's your vision words? And so would you say these were your homeschool vision words then? Truth, beauty, goodness? And like I said, when I started out, I didn't know that. But yeah. then I had heard, it might have been um, from the Searcy Institute. I was listening yeah. to that podcast. I might've heard it on there. And I was like, you know, that is really true. I yeah. think I like that, you know, and then taking that and, and, and trying to find that curriculum that would feed that idea of right. truth, beauty and goodness, because I think it's so easy to find any curriculum, really, especially now that homeschooling has become so popular, you really could find any curriculum for any subject that you want. But for me, I was like, okay, if I want them to know truth and beauty and goodness, like what what would I need to find? What, what would serve me the best then help, help underpin that, that vision. Right. Um, and so that was like a nice filter for me. Um, and I, and like you said, you really do need to have, you know, it, it, you have, you might have this idea of an ideal of a homeschool day and it might not look like that. And you may be very disappointed, (laughs) (laughs) especially if there's a month of it, not looking like that. And you might feel like, I can't do this. This is crazy. No, they're not learning. They are learning. Um, And it's like these little tiny drops of sand in a bucket over time and they add up, but you you just have to have a vision bigger than just yourself wanting to teach them because that can be frustrating. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, because yes, of that, you might not even realize it for years and years. So it's definitely not an instant win. <laughs> no, it is not. I think um, if you're expecting an eight to four day for what is it? 180 days. Oh no. Yeah. Or, you know, and having a little bell, which I definitely had and a nice chalkboard in the back and everybody's going to switch gears. Here's your subject. Let's move to the next one. It's just, okay. That is just a recipe for frustration right yeah. there. 
So I just want to switch gears for a little bit. What's the first thing that you think of when I say homeschool mama self-care? Because I'm going to tell you that I do indeed think Netflix, dark chocolate, and the spa. And I (laughs) rarely go to the spa. You should know, but I still think it despite having written a book about it. (laughs) Yes. Um, Okay. So homeschool mom and self-care, I think necessary. I think that it is um, essential to making sure that your homeschool is what it needs to be for it to be successful. Right. Because if you're burnt out, if your attitude is terrible, if you have, um, you know, if you can't even get out of bed in the morning, cause you're just exhausted or, you know, you're, you set the tone for your home. And especially as a homeschool mom, if, if you're sending out this idea of like, this is terrible, your kids will pick up on it. They'll, they'll figure it out almost immediately. Like I'm a burden or, they don't like me or, you know, I don't belong here, you know, like they'll pick up pretty quick on, on how you feel. And um, so it's like, it really is necessary for you. It is not selfish to take time for self-care. It is essential for you to take time for self-care, but you can put systems, like I said, you could put systems in place. So self-care is not, um, I mean, we just actually went to the spa on Sunday. My husband oh, and nice. I, we, envious. We, we, we hadn't been, we had last 2020 for Valentine's day, we had scheduled a, a couple's massage, but we knew um, COVID was on the horizon and we weren't sure what it was going to be like. So we canceled it. And then we now looking back, like, oh, we should have just did it. But um, so anyway, la- on Sunday we went and got a couple's massage and I'm like, I did not a realize how massage. bad so we needed that. Yes. Remind me what it's like. There's little cucumber water and there's like soothing neck pillows and scented mm. towels. And, then, and the table had a heated mat under it. So I was like laying down and then um, she had essential oils and you know, it was so lovely. And it was a dark room and she had like hot towels for my feet and a little, uh, I don't know, like a little warm washcloth for my eyes. I just could lay there. Oh, it was lovely. It really was. I didn't realize how badly we needed it. It had been over two years. It might've even been three years since actually it probably was three years. Cause two years ago I had a baby. So it was yeah. over three years ago that we even got massages. So it was like yeah. really nice. Like, oh, this is so lovely. So yeah, I am just trying to relish in the moment. I know it was, we <laughs> took pictures <laughs> so I could look back at the room and just imagine. <laughs> I live on a homestead right now, so I've got no, no manicure, not required. I'm about to have baby chicks and three goats, but I, you know, I have an altered life experience. I have, or I should say I have a different, um, I've embodied something differently, I guess, in my life, even over the course of our our marriage over the last 25 years, I have definitely done all the lovely spa visits and very expensive flights of wine with flights of anyways, lots of fun at different places. But now my nails need to be filed and I should probably ask someone to help me with a massage. And it's not that, not that kind of experience anymore, but I actually, I think it's a beautiful experience and it's lovely that you get to actually share that with your husband. Yeah. Yeah, He's, he's fun. He likes that stuff. Yeah. Not my husband. (laughs) he's so funny because he goes from being like this tough construction worker in new york city to like let's go to the spa like okay that (laughs) is so awesome whereas my physician husband is like uh do we have to eat filet mignon we could also get adam's peanut butter (laughs) oh so funny (laughs) but Mm. yeah so he would be the last person i would bring to the spa the last three people i brought were each of my daughters we'd go to the spa in the big city for their 13th birthday and it was absolutely lovely so even though that's not what i typically think of as um a self-care strategy i'm in (laughs) I i want that But Mm -hmm. when you think self-care, you're thinking necessity, because this is something that homeschool moms simply need to address if they want to do this over the long term. Mm -hmm. I think self-care manifests differently with different moms. You know, we, we experience it differently. We think of things differently as, you know, different values. But as I'm putting a course together, it's a homeschool mom retreat right now. I'm thinking, what's the most important parts? The truth is everybody needs different things. But I think at core, or maybe at the base, it is boundaries. 
boundaries to create, you know, your quiet time, your alone time, some fun time, some learning time and um, exercise, actually what you've been talking about nutrition and um, exercise, those things are like fundamental for your brain to function in a happy Mm -hmm. way. What do you think about that? Absolutely. So one of the things that I learned too, with as far as like eating healthy, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. I use an app. It's called eMeals. I'm not affiliated with it in any way, but it, every week you get, you can pick the kind of eating how you like. So if you are a vegetarian or a vegan, or if you like um, whole food or Mediterranean or clean eating, they have all these different meal plans for you. And every week you get uh, a whole list of recipes and it'll make a grocery list for you. And you can even, if you do like a shop right from home or a Walmart shopping from home, they'll send the grocery list to the store directly. And then you can choose what items you need. And then the grocery list is already created and then you can just shop with it. It's so easy. And then that's kind of a huge burden lifted because I think sometimes we just don't know even where to start if we want to start eating healthy or we think we have to have kale. Um, and that's the only <laughs> thing we're allowed to eat now that we want to eat healthy. But, um, you know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. There's so much information out there. You just really kind of have to find what you like. Um, and I always just say, if you know, you consider the store, just shop the perimeter. Um, right. Try to avoid the processed foods. Like if it has a, if it has uh, a bag, it's probably not your best. Has, yeah. Yeah. If it's wrapped in cellophane. You know, don't don't have it. Yeah. But, I, you know, just whole nourishing foods and you should be fine. But, you know, some people don't even know how to cook. Like yes, we taste a lot exactly. of things for granted. So I think like the, the emails is helpful because it gives you the recipe. It gives you the shopping list. It takes that, that like, okay, well, is this healthy? Is it not? It really kind of just sets it out in front of you and you could pick it or not. You know, right. you have the whole, the, the recipes are stored so you can just go back and look or it's, it's pretty simple. And that was so for me, that was so helpful because it's like, okay, I don't have to think about it. Um, Because I don't know about you, but my kids ask me all the time, like, what's for dinner? What are we having for dinner? And sometimes to come up with like different meal ideas every single day, it's, it's tiring, or it's like, I don't know if I have it in me right now (laughs) to make another meal, you know? So having something like that, where it's just planned, and, and I could try new things, yeah. For us, our food budget, um, I love the idea of those meal kits that come, like yes. low Fresh, yeah. I think. And I love the idea, but there's 10 of us. So they would never, you know, it just would not be cost effective. <laughs> yes. But I like that if I, it was just my husband and I, and maybe two kids, I, to, I would totally consider something like that as well. Because if, especially if you're not a cook and you don't like it and it's just right. done for you, but you know, it's healthy. I've been hearing this discussion a lot lately, actually, and it has surprised me that a lot of homeschool moms are like, I don't know how to cook. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. I didn't grow up cooking or I played in the kitchen, but my mom worked full time and she bought things in bags or in containers. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't know how to cook. First eight years of our marriage, I cooked everything and I had full meals for every single meal. And my husband, my dad was a long distance truck driver. So he ate differently than my very slender and tall and athletic husband, who was like, in a few months of marriage, he's like, really, this is too heavy. I can't eat this much food. I'm sorry, I don't want to offend you, but I can't do this. And then he would still default to that Adam's peanut butter after dinner or after a snack. And, and I remember feeling offended that I'd made these huge meals for him. And my mom said, well, why don't you just like serve him peanut butter sandwiches? Like, that's so easy. And I'm like, oh, who'd have thought of that? But it took me really eight years to actually practice basic cooking skills in my marriage. And that was all new to me. But I suggest to families that if you just pick five different meals Mm -hmm. from, you know, for each day of the week, then you've got one, probably an extra day where you're eating leftovers. And if you must, you can have a breakfast at dinner or, you know, get the kids to figure out how to make a grilled cheese sandwich or yeah. peanut butter sandwiches. Um, but if you can figure out what to do for five days, you can practice those meals over and over and over until they become rote. And I'm with yeah. you. Hello, fresh. I'm like, okay, they wouldn't deliver it as far as we live right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I cannot bear that cost in my mind. I, no, think I can't I either. Spend money. I'll go to a, a restaurant and support mm-hmm. the restaurant industry right now, but it's a lot of money for me. Right. I'm glad people it do is it for me too. We can't do it either, but I, I, yeah. if I, if I could, I would <laughs> I think yeah. it's brilliant. But... Yeah, it is clever. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's so learning how to cook basic things and, mm-hmm. um, you know, coming from a farm background, um, we were taught eat meat with every plate and mm-hmm. I'm not against meat. In fact, I raised meat birds last year. So everyone else in my family is except me, but now everybody's vegetarian, not really, but kind of, mm-hmm. they won't eat a chicken. But so now, you know, it's not just a little bit of meat and potatoes and some side vegetable. You can actually think, can I incorporate beans into a meal in a Mm -hmm. week? Can I incorporate eggs or just go, you know, completely tofu if you want to. There are clever ways and delicious ways to create tofu. It's also really gross ways. But there's, you know, if you can just choose what are the proteins you want to eat for, say, five days a week, find a meal that you really like and do that on repeat for a very long time, then you'll have them locked in your head. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, sometimes my husband worked the second shift for a long time. And so when, and and my children were really little, like, I think like maybe we'd, I'd maybe had like an infant, then a three-year-old and a five-year-old and a seven-year-old. Like, so they were little and he wouldn't be home for dinner and they would fill up on, you know, they'd want a yogurt. Maybe I'd make some popcorn. We'd have some fresh fruit. I'd cut up some cheese. Like it was not, um, this huge, let's sit down and have dinner. And I always found too, with my kids, they were never, by the time dinner came, they were kind of full. They, they kind of ate throughout the day. And then by dinner time, they weren't really hungry and they still don't eat big dinners. Right. Even like, cause my husband sounds a lot like your dad, where he expects like this, you know, meat and potatoes. And, and I, I'm like, I can't eat that way. That right. does not make me feel the best, you know? So we, yeah. and since I'm in charge of the cooking, since I'm home, um, you know, I've, we've had to kind of compensate a little bit, you know, with some stuff that I'll maybe make him an extra side or two that he would want and then have the main meal um, be a little bit lighter as well. So if we had yeah. steak, I'd have it on a salad. He may have it with a potato, you know, but right. just to, to make him happy. But yeah, there's a little bit of, um, you know, you can get creative. Sometimes we'll have scrambled eggs and toast and, and fresh fruit for dinner. And it's okay. Right. You know, <laughs> it's okay. I like your, actually, I like your idea of your kid's snack plate kind of, or yes. you call it a kid's charcuterie. And then you don't, yeah. feel, <laughs> you don't feel guilty. They, they <laughs> enjoy popcorn and grapes mm-hmm. and cheese slices or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Very yeah, you that, the full grain. They've got the dairy, they've got the fat from the cheese, they, and the butter on the popcorn, like there's, it's pretty complete. And then the vegetables, if you want to give them some cut up vegetables or some sliced fruit, it really kind of covers all the bases and you're not stressing about it. Right. It's it's easy. And that's, that's a fun one I like to do in the summer. Anyway, we could bring it if we're going to the pool a little bit late, bring it with us and um, they can kind of have like a snacky dinner. Um, And they're, they're good to go. They're really kind of happy about that. So tell me, if we back up a little bit, you're talking about how you conquered your food cravings or mm-hmm. how you really managed to learn to manage your food in a way that was healthy. How did you do that? How did you approach that? So I started to understand how for someone who yo-yo diets a lot, what happens is, and, and they're not even sure, they think it probably happens when you're young you might have an uncomfortable emotion or something that's unpleasant and you'll use food to kind of compensate or cope or distract from whatever that event or feeling was that was unpleasant. And you, I think I probably learned how to do this. Probably I was put into school when I was four into kindergarten. And I think I learned when I could come home and I could use food to feel better. Maybe I was feeling overwhelmed. I don't really remember, but my mom had always said, you know, you were so tiny up until you got to first grade. And then you kind of really started struggling with your weight. And my guess is I, and the other part she had told me was you would always go to the nurse. And I know I would always go to the nurse because I wanted to be home with her. So Mm -hmm. I'm thinking I started coping by eating when I was in probably, you know, kindergarten, first grade. And then it kind of probably started to catch up with me weight wise at that point in time. And so my brain, once it learned that neural pathway of the the trigger is like, maybe I'm feeling overwhelmed or anxious or lonely or, um, you know, sad or bored. My brain reads it as something's wrong you need to eat something so you can feel better, right? Because it, your brain will just automatically do uh, what it knows that it will work, right? It's not going to try to find new solutions. It'll just always fall back on what it knows will help you feel better. So 
once I figured that out, yeah. I could challenge the thoughts I was having. So, mm-hmm. and the funny thing was, so I started to notice the habits of eating. And so one thing that really stood out to me was I had a habit and I didn't know it was a habit until I learned this was every time I would come home, I would feel hungry. And so we'd come home, I'd pull up my driveway, we'd come home, and then I would go in the kitchen and grab something to eat. And once I learned this habit thing, like, okay, there's some, some event that's going on and your brain is going to tell you you're hungry. Once I learned that I pulled up the driveway and I had just run to, I had, we had breakfast and I had to run to the post office. And so it was like eight 30 in the morning or nine o'clock. And I came up the driveway and my brain was like, you're hungry. And I caught that thought. And I was like, I know I'm not hungry. I just had breakfast. And I, it was like a light bulb moment. Like, Oh, this is what they're talking about. Like my brain. And as soon as we challenged that thought and, and literally said, I'm not hungry. I just had breakfast. That hunger feeling went away. It was, mm-hmm. it was so crazy. I was like, no yeah. way I'm not hungry anymore. It was so, it was, it was for total freedom for me from that point on. I'm like, okay, I am going to capture every time my body tells me I am suddenly hungry because real biological hunger comes on slowly and mm-hmm. it almost comes in waves where your brain might say like, it's probably going to be time to eat soon. You might be getting hungry, but it's not this ferocious, you must go eat now, right? It's not urgent. It's just slow, like waves lapping. So if you suddenly feel hungry, and, and you do struggle with your weight and you are kind of like a, a, maybe a yo-yo dieter. And all of a sudden you feel hunger, try to think like, okay, what was just going on? You know, did I encounter something? Was, was I thinking something, you know, did something just happen that my brain is now telling me I need to go eat because it is a great distraction and it is a great way to feel better. You get that hit of dopamine, you know, you, you get that distraction from whatever it is that's bothering you. You can go grab those chocolate chips And all of a sudden you're carried away, you know, away from whatever it is. That's the mess in the kitchen or the Play-Doh all over the floor, whatever it is, you know, it's like, it's so soothing. Um, So it's like, once I learned that tool though, it was so freeing because then I could just really capture each thought and say, you know, am I really hungry or is this just a response to something else going on? And, and it took a few months, but learning that, I mean, the weight came off like 60 pounds and I did not diet. I was stunned. I wasn't depriving myself. I wasn't, um, you know, I didn't do like boot camp or anything crazy. Like it was really just learning how to identify my emotions and then learning the responses and then learning better responses for when that, that urgent feeling didn't go away. And my brain was like, no, you really go eat something now. You know, it's like, okay, I got to find something else better to do. That is such a useful tool. I mean, it's not just for food. It's for everything. Mm -hmm. So even how you're engaging your kids in your homeschooling, and maybe there's mindful moments that you're having, asking yourself, okay, why am I getting heated right now? Or why am I feeling what I'm feeling right now? But you know, what you're saying reminds me um, of stuff back in the days when Oprah was talking about dealing with your emotions and dealing with your eating, but I would hear her talk about is she's eating because she's sad. And I'm like, well, I'm not overeating because I'm sad. Mm-hmm. And exactly what you're saying, it's not about, are you sad? It's about what is the trigger and what is the emotional framing? Like, what is it that you're associating? I must soothe myself with this thing. So that is, mm-hmm. that is brilliant. And you didn't have to do boot camp. <laughs> yes. Right. There was yeah. no burpees going on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, Because when my friend did the, did that Iron Man and I felt jealous, my natural response to that jealous feeling would be to escape it. Like, I don't want to feel jealous. What kind of person would feel jealous of her friend doing something successful? I must be a terrible person. I need to feel better. I'm going to go eat. Right. So it's like all right. these things, like kind of capturing, like, okay, what, did, what meaning, because we are meaningful people, right? So what meaning am I attaching to these emotions too? So if right. I'm stressed and overwhelmed, well, how can I possibly be stressed and overwhelmed? Like what kind of mom am I? If I find at four o'clock every day, I'm stressed and overwhelmed. Like mom, good moms never feel stressed or overwhelmed. Like that's like a yeah. crazy life. You're a I'm normal mom. <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah. But it's like, well, I chose this and I chose this many kids. Now, what kind of person am I to, to feel, oh, I have no right to feel overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I'd feel guilty. And then yeah. I'd say, right, well, I'll just go eat something because, you know, I'm a terrible mom. <laughs> it's like, well, you know, finally 
kind of paying attention and actually not believing all the thoughts, like capturing every thought and just examining it. Like, is this even true? Or uh-huh. is this something that I'm just thinking out of it being a habit or I'm just like letting like it's a, like a catastrophic thought. Like I'm taking something that probably won't ever happen and I'm right. blowing it up in my head. Or is this, if someone else doing something and I'm feeling overly responsible for their behavior uh, and I'm becoming anxious because of what they're doing and you can't manage someone else's behavior. That's crazy. It, I mean, besides like your kids, you can guide them, but I'm talking about like somebody else, um, you know, if they're doing something you don't like, you know, and you're feeling anxious and overwhelmed by it. Um, you, you have to learn like, okay, I can't control their behavior, like almost detach, learn how to detach so that their behavior doesn't affect your mood and your emotions and all these things. I just, I had to learn. I was never taught this, but once I learned it, it was so like, Oh, I just felt so much better. Back to boundaries. Like this is all about boundaries. boundaries. Absolutely. Boundaries. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And so boundaries, um, you know, it, it can be, um, you know, you can have boundaries, physical boundaries, right? You can have emotional boundaries, but then I think you can also have thought boundaries and capturing those thoughts and really challenging them, like not allowing them, don't believe them just because you think them and yeah. don't, you don't have to act on them either just because you think them, right? You could think like, oh my goodness, something's wrong, but you can ask yourself, what is true about this situation? Maybe it is true. Is there anything I could do about it? Do what you can do about it and then let the rest go. Like, don't, don't dwell in it and, you know, really run yourself ragged about it. That's that's the the thing that I talk about the most is exactly what you're talking about right now, because it addresses most homeschool moms challenges and everyone isn't the same, but we're easily overwhelmed. Um, We have a strong sense of doubt. We're not good enough. We, um, you know, we're, we don't want to be angry with our kids because, you know, mm-hmm. we don't want to do that. That would be a human thing. Yes, but we don't want to yeah. do that with our children. Right. And um, f- there's just all the human emotions in the homeschool package, but we feel those feelings. And yet we say, but if I'm a good mom, mm-hmm. then I'm a never going to make a mistake in responding to those feelings, but I will not think those thoughts and choosing to reframe those thoughts. That is the biggest work of the interior in this entire homeschool thing that you did not know you were signing up for (laughs) that right there is who are you? How are these children as mini mirrors actually helping you learn to see yourself a little bit more clearly, but what you're saying is it's the work. It's the work of homeschool, not the education, not the socialization and all the other stuff that people talk about or ask about. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Because if you can get yourself straight and, and, and learn how to keep your perspective, then everything becomes a lot less urgent. You know, you're not responding then to all the urgency around you. You can be that, that, um, calm water, you know, like it, I think they say, like, are you a thermometer or a thermostat, right? The thermometer goes up and down just depending on everything that's going on around it. But the thermostat, it just knows what temperature it needs to be at. And, and, and what, whatever happens, either it'll kick the air on or it'll kick the heat on, but it stays at that constant steady temperature. And as a wife and a mom, and especially a homeschool mom, no matter what, you can always just be that thermostat. You know, you can choose to respond, but you don't always have to react. To mm-hmm. everything around you and you can that's even practice yeah yes. that's yeah, you have to learn it. yeah and I think like you said those vision um words to have yeah. I think that helps because then you can hold anything up against it and yeah. be like you know is this a hill I'm willing to die on or is it right. okay to let this go um yeah. I always I always joke because my little guys my 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 six-year-old and my eight-year-old they hate wearing underwear <laughs> They're little boys and yeah. they hate wearing underwear. I, I, I can't die on that hill because it takes up so much energy and so much time. And I'm like, really? They have pants on. I don't care anymore. And my husband's like, no, they have to wear pants. I'm like, then when you're home, you can fight with them about their underwear. I'm just not, it's not a hill I'm going to probably figure it out before they leave no. home. And hopefully exactly. nobody publicly is noticing that they are not wearing underwear. I mean, they have pants on, so they're yeah. not walking around naked, but yeah, it's just like, choose your battles. Even as, if they're ridiculous, you know, yeah. just you don't have to die on every single hill, like find yeah. out what your values are, what is super important to you and kind of focus on that. And the other things, you know, I mean, I guess if it becomes like a big problem, then maybe you'll need to address it, but just, you know, 
focus on what you really need to focus on and, exactly. and then put systems in place so that you're not emotionally drained throughout the day. You know, you can have good systems in place and then um, you're, you're not using up a lot of emotional energy, making decisions about things that really don't require so many decisions. If you can systematize them, like, like planning your meals, right? Okay. Right. If you're yeah. always having to think about what am I cooking and now it's four o'clock and, and you're feeling overwhelmed and because it's a crazy time of day, like right now I have dinner in the crock pot. I don't have to worry right. about that. You know, we're here, we're chatting. It's not on my mind. I can kind of put it to rest and not worry about that part of my brain right now, you know? Yeah. Um, let's see, there's other things that I have. I don't know if you, if you wanted yeah, to go into them, but I had the systems yeah. are, are you meaning routines or you mean systems around your literal system, your what? personal body, your physical, you know, needs. Yeah, I mean, if you, what I usually do is I, I have them, um, take a look at their, their, uh, month ahead of time and really kind of do a, what we call a thought download. So like write down everything that's coming up for that month. And, um, you know, and it could be so silly, but like anything, any activity, anything that's coming up, anything you want to do, any birthdays, and then write down all the things that would go along with that. So if someone's birthday, then you need to get a gift or a card, maybe have to get the cake or whatever it is that you need to do. You can even use that time to do your meal planning. But then if you look at your month in, a, in advance, and then maybe choose one day a week where you can go do what you need to do so that every day you're not like, oh my goodness, I have to go do that. Because it takes so much time and energy to constantly, again, be reacting to the urgent. Like, oh, I forgot I need to go get milk. Oh, I forgot we have nothing for dinner. Let me go get that. You know, And you're running out all the time. So for us, our co-op day is a Friday. We go to a fine arts co-op. So looking at my week in advance, I know if my co-op day is Friday and I know I have to be out of the house by 8 a.m., that means that I have to start thinking now Thursday, right? Because not much is going to happen before 8 a.m. on Friday. I cannot even kid myself and tell myself I'll just do it Friday morning. It won't happen. So now I need to look, okay, Thursday, what can I do on Thursday? Well, I'll catch up with all my laundry so that even the people who don't wear underwear in my family at least have pants. <laughs> they have at least clean pants to wear. And then, you know, everybody's got clean clothes so that we're not searching for socks and clean outfits and clean shirts come Friday morning, right? It's all done. Thursday is my day to be done. Also, you know, I'll make sure that I food shop at some point on Thursday so that um, we have food for lunch or snacks that we need to bring to co-op and I can have something easy or quick for Friday night dinner since it's a full day out. Um, so I also know then because I have to catch up on all the laundry and I have to do the food shopping Thursday, that tells me right away, okay, I'm not going to make any play dates on Thursdays. I'm not making any plans on a Thursday that requires me to do anything other than what I have, what I know I have to get done. And then if there's other things that I need, I can plan that on a Thursday when I'm already running out so that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday are, we're home and mm -hmm. we have, you know, whatever we need to hit the ground running with on those days, we can do it mm -hmm. without feeling like, okay, I have a ton of things outside the home that I have to go accomplish. Now, mm -hmm. it doesn't always work out so smoothly. You know, some people need, like just yesterday, one of my guys needed an eye exam checkup and we had to go do physicals last week. Like there's some days that just don't work out perfectly <laughs> like that, but you know, ahead of time and you're not just constantly reacting like, oh, there's no bread now. Oh, I have to go get this. I have to, you know, like you you can consolidate your trips because you know it's coming as best as you possibly can. That is a really good way to do that. So I hear brain dump and then mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. set out the days. You've got so many different ideas there. And I know that this is an entire podcast episode in itself. <laughs> so I'd love to have you back just to talk oh, about that'd be fun. in itself. Yeah, this has been really fun. Um, share with me where and my audience or our audience where your um, where you are online and what kind of resources you provide homeschool moms. Sure. So you can find me over at healthwellnessandchocolate.com. Love it. And I thank you. I know, right? I'm like, I do love my chocolate, but I, yeah. I know how to eat it now. <laughs> not, yes. not in chaos, not in reaction to some craziness, not elbow deep in some chocolate chips. <laughs> I only buy really good chocolate now. Yes. <laughs> but um, 
So I did create, it's called the homeschool mom survival kit. And I have a coupon code. I believe I sent you the link for it and the coupon code. So if they want to go, it's homeschool mom, all one word, all capital letters. And so they can go uh, to healthwellnessandchocolate.com if they want, and they can go to the shop and they can find the homeschool mom survival kit and just add that coupon code homeschool mom. I and, love that. Uh, they can grab that. So, and that'll give them some of the tips I've been talking about and homeschool um, survival tips and, and all those good things that I feel like moms really need that support for. So tell me that you're on Instagram and Facebook as well. Oh, I am. Yes. Yeah. So, um, at health wellness chocolate on Instagram. So not that there's no, and so it's just health wellness chocolate on Instagram. And then it is health wellness and chocolate on Facebook. To close our interview, I want to ask you three fun questions. What have you learned alongside your kids this week or a memory that you've created together? Okay. So for this week, what did I learn? Hmm. Oh my goodness. There's so many things. So a memory we created together because we are also hatching chicks. So that has been fun. fun yeah. Oh, oh, I know just today. It's been so cute. They, um, I, I had something delivered to my house and it had dry ice. So it was so much fun. Like we put it in water and it was bubbling over. And even my little guy, you know, he, he's like, you know, with the scooping it up and stuff like yeah he's just like like what is going on but it was so sweet just learning about that with them and then earlier this morning we were reading the emperor's new clothes because there's a book uh it's it's fairy tales and then they have they go through it right I, I, i forget the name of it actually i'm sorry i don't remember it um hail something or other and it's by the Circe Institute and it's fairy tales and they give you the original and then they give you a lot of great questions to ask and stuff. So it was the emperor's new clothes. And that was fascinating because I got to share with my kids, like, look at how pride trips you up. And, you know, when we were discussing that and like what we see happening culturally and, and, you know, it takes one person with courage to be the majority. And it was happened to be the child that had the courage in the story. And so it was actually really fun to, to read that and kind of do a deep dive with them in that. And the emperor, does he wear underwear? <laughs> this is no, they didn't say it, but I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell the kids. They won't, because they'll be like, see? <laughs> so what's an identity that you would say is entirely outside of your homeschool mom identity? Well, I think being a health educator and teaching, uh, being a podcaster is different because my podcast is not um, homeschool related. It is helping women lose weight. So I get to use my degree in a different way. And I started health, wellness and chocolate after learning about self-care and what I felt like I needed. And what I needed was to be able to teach women. And I really missed that part of my life. And so I started health, wellness and chocolate as a reaction to learning about self-care really. And, and then, um, that's, so that is actually how I, I use my brain a little different and who I am, uh, differently than being that homeschool mom, which is kind of funny because yeah. So, um, a podcast that I just recorded with someone else came out today and um, I was showing the kids and they're like, Oh, you know, they, they, they're like, we didn't know that that's what you do. <laughs> and you go in your room. Like it is, it is. Yeah. It's, it's a way I use my brain a little differently than being with you, you know, and I love being with you, but I like coming up for an hour and, and doing something or researching or, you know, teaching someone and then heading back downstairs and doing reading. <laughs> you know, I have to say, reading. I love this because this is my way of inviting people into my closet. <laughs> no, yes. Not the original intention, but getting to know people this year. Mm-hmm. It has been so much fun and also developing an identity outside of the homeschool mom identity. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't have guessed it early on. In fact, I wouldn't even think that I would say this, but I think it's actually useful for our kids to see that you have something outside of them. Yes. Someone mentioned something yesterday. And I think it's really important that you said that because they were saying, you know, taking time for self-care is a very good thing for your kids to see, especially your Uh sons. And they said, because their vision of a woman, if you don't take time for your self-care is their, their expectations may be for a wife and a mother is to like run themselves ragged, to, to always just like exhaust themselves 
you know, if instead you take time for self-care and you, you take time to invest in yourself and learn like your strengths and learn um, what makes you light up and, and take time to, to go away maybe for a conference or something, they're learning that they're also an individual, mm-hmm. that they have a right to create, a, you know, things in their life that light them up as well, as opposed right. to just being haggard and serving constantly without being able to refill their cup. Like you're exactly. setting almost an example for their life yes. um, in, in their future. So I was like, you know, that's true. I really never thought of that, but it is important for them to see the reality of like, we're not robots that just can keep yeah. going and serving without really taking time to, to fill ourselves up. No, we're human beings that are taking care of human beings. And though it's a big responsibility and I don't take it lightly and I want to do my best at it, we're also human beings that are taking care of human beings. We have needs too. And so we have to address those needs honestly. So thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate you spending time with us. Thank you for having me. This has been so much fun. I appreciate it too. It's like, oh, even though we can't get together in person, this has been so refreshing for me. So thank you for having me. And thank you for joining me today. I would love to learn more about who you are. So come on over to the Homeschool Mama support group on Facebook or the Homeschool Mama self-care Instagram page so we can support and encourage each other in our homeschool challenges. While you're there, you can check out the Book of Homeschool Encouragement, Homeschool Mama Self-Care, Nurturing the Nurturer. If you're a homeschool mama looking for extra support, know that I'm about to release the Homeschool Mama Retreat, and I'm hoping that it will bring that sense of energy and inspiration and encouragement that only a retreat, though virtually, can bring to you. So I'll keep you posted on that. Join the mailing list to learn more about that when it releases. You'll find the show notes and links to everything you've heard today on www.capturingthecharmlife.com. Please subscribe to this podcast and share a review because when you review the podcast, you help other homeschool mamas learn about homeschool mama self-care. Until next time, I wish you and your kids a charmed week. Unless you're having one of those weeks, then I hope you can turn all your homeschool challenges into your homeschool charms.